Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Spark Hub podcast. My name is Alan, and in this episode, I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with Maestra, Brazilian word for master, Maestra Simon Atkinson, who, well, you'll hear in a minute, has a fascinating story that begins in his childhood, dealing with a fatherless life at the beginning, also lots of physical and mental challenges that ailed him, how he, how he got through them, how he got past them through the art of capoeira, and now to the point where, as he's become an adult, how he, how he now passes capoeira on to his students of all ages. But uh, I sort of go specifically into the benefits for children, as is the nature of this podcast, and the dividends and the payoff in adulthood are huge. Everything from strategic thinking to how to treat ailments in your body. Again, fascinating discussion. I won't hold you much longer except to say, as always, if you enjoy what you hear in this, in this episode, don't be shy to dive deeper in the show notes below where I've put links to lots of other content that's relevant to this uh, podcast. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Simon and his amazing story of dance, of movement, of music, that is the art of capoeira. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, go. All right. Hey, Simon, thanks for coming uh, on the Spark Hub podcast. Really uh, appreciate your time and the topic we're going to talk about, which is capoeira. But as is tradition on Spark Hub, I would love you to open with uh, one of your favorite quotes and tell us what it means to you. Well, one of my students came up with the quote that capoeira is a riddle, but there is no answer. Oh, that's a very good one. It sounds almost like the, the meaning of life, which is quite yeah. a big existential question. Um, so, Simon, I, I, I've got tons of questions, but I'd love you to, to walk us through your journey to capoeira, you know, how, how you got into it, why you're teaching it, why you think it's important, uh, sort of your, your story of how you ended up here. When I, I grew up without a father, and I was quite a young, quite a um, physically weak although probably mentally quite strong, but physically weak. And I felt like I had some conflicts. And at some point in my life, when I was about 17 or 18, I decided to start practicing martial arts. And uh, I was living in Newcastle in the Thatcher era with not much work available. And there was a, a club. No, it was an offering of um, free self-defense and fitness classes. And I started to do this very physical training. And it really did help me change my how I felt about myself. And my character changed as well. And I became much more confident. And before this training this physical training. I had things like eczema. I stuttered. I had various things that made me feel kind of shy. And this martial arts training really boosted me. Overnight, after one week, the stuttering went, the eczema went, and I was just a different person. So I realized then that the martial arts training was really good for me. And I continued doing it for about six or seven years. And, but I did find it boring. After, after I reached a certain level, I, was not, I, I wasn't as engaged as I could have been. And I, I don't believe it was the master. 
I just believe it was the style of the the approach, the hierarchy of the belt system, things like this. And then I saw Capoeira and decided to pursue that. I mean, just if I may interject, it sounded like you hit a plateau. And um, I had a, a very similar experience. Now, I had, a, a, a in contrast to you having a fatherless upbringing, I had a great father, great parents. They're still together today. Uh, but I did find solace in martial arts around the age of nine or 10. I started in judo and I tried other karate. And then recently I've, I've sort of gotten into jujitsu, but I, I lack the consistency at the moment to, to, but I love it. Every time I go, as you say, you come away better, feeling better than when you went in. And mm. like you say, anything that ails you mentally and physically, even though I'm not a doctor, will make no medical claims. There seems to be some sort of curative uh, benefit to it. Um, but I, I did, like you, find that uh, specifically in karate, there was the katas. It was it was sort of constantly putting on a show rather than training or, or rolling. Anyone can train in doing that, but I like I wanted the real world experience of, of rapid mm. fighting. Uh, mm. So I understand what you're saying about martial arts. I totally get where you're coming from in terms of the discipline it can give you, in terms of the confidence it can give you, um, and especially if it's uh, as you say a good martial arts where it's collaborative rather than combative. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you do have to have combat moments, but everyone loves you and everyone knows when to stop. And, and it's not about fighting or learning to knock someone out. It's about control and discipline. Mm. Um, and and mm. so I, I echo what you, what you say, and I, I am a big fan of martial arts. Sadly, my children don't want to do it just yet. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to get them into it, but they see it as, as violence and, and they don't want to get into mm. that. So anyway... Mm. But so capoeira is interesting because it's it sounds to me like if I'm understanding you correctly, you loved the flow of martial arts. You loved the discipline of it. You loved the physicality of it. It clearly made an impact in your life. But it seemed you were stifled or hit a plateau because of the, the hierarchy of it and the belt system. Is that right? Well, yeah, it was partly the belt system, but also I think the fighting as well. I always felt as though some of the things I was doing and using. They, it didn't feel as real as when I first saw Capoeira because basically you have to dodge. In Capoeira, the movements are complete. So it's like, a, it's like swinging a bat at someone. It's a massive movement, but you have to move out of the way. And if you block it, it's going to hurt or break your arm. So yeah. it was real. And this real thing, it really got me. I loved it. And it was frightening. But it was the realism of Capoeira, even though everyone perceives it as not a real fight. But for me, coming from a martial arts background, for me, going in the circle and playing someone when you don't know what's going to happen or what they would do, it became more real for me than, than a competition, for example. And so I apologize if this is an ignorant question, but in capoeira, there is no contact, right? Like it's, it is doing the movements, but you don't connect with your opponent. Is that right? Well, if that is what we try to teach that, okay? And if you really want to be good at capoeira, that isn't true. You do get kicked. You do get tripped up. And it's normally when you make mistakes. So once you become more experienced, you play someone with this bodily knowledge of mistakes that you're not going to make anymore. 
Therefore, it right. looks like there's no contact. But that's more advanced people that are not doing something that maybe they could. I see. I see. That makes sense now. Yeah, I get it. They see the circumstances and they say, no, let me change that because I will fall again. Or I'll, if I throw this kick now, he could throw this kick and it could kick me. So you do get kicked and you do get hit. But most of the time it's unintentional. And so it's a game of chess. Yes, a game of chess. And there is death. There's a battle with an end result. But you're, it almost sounds like you're battling with yourself, as you say. It seems the emphasis is on overcoming, uh, well, not limits. That's probably the wrong word. But you have to overcome, as you say, your past mistakes. You have to overcome fear. You have to overcome worry. Um, and so, therefore, it, it sounds like a centric type of martial art where it starts within. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the uncertainty as well, to so the fear and uncertainty, and when you first, not everybody, but when I first started to play, and I see this as well in many students, where they're playing and they kind of think, oh, that's not fair what you did. But they, it was actually them that created the, the, it's often there's a, something happens in capoeira that makes you need to evaluate your position in this negotiation. Wow. It's quite That's complicated. But, I mean, this is more for adults and people that have gone into um, a more advanced level of capoeira. Well, because at first you learn, you learn uh, about your body, the balance and how to move uh, left and right and right and left and left. So there's no... It's not like um, a normal martial art where you stand with one hand in front of the other and it, your back hand's the stronger one, for example. Or, or in jiu-jitsu, you know, you have a certain place where you're going to be stronger or better and work from. In capoeira, we tend to work from both sides constantly. We never change. So the basic movement is always moving and then back, forward, so, so the head's never in the same place. And you kind of have this uh, physical training bodily. Children just copy it. Adults need I was to. Gonna say, yeah, adults have to unlearn. As you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I imagine a guy like me who, who came up in certain martial arts, as you say, you adopt certain stances or South Pop, North, whatever. Mm. You, you learn these things and you say that's your start point. But it sounds like it's more fluid with capoeira that the start point can be can be dependent upon you know who who you're up against and what what's going on in your head yeah and, and normally there, there's a very strong in capoeira there's a very strong connection or there used to be between the student and the master so the master takes care he teaches you basic movements you learn patience he observes and corrects you individually. And, um, and then when you start to play, if you, children just play. They really do. They, it, they don't hurt each other. They, they manage to go through capoeira. But once it gets to be, once you become a bit older, there's more of an objective to kind of finish or prove something. Or 
if someone's trying to prove something, then you need to show them that that's not a good idea. So it becomes it. Adults have a more strategic game, let's say. That is is like chess. It does have double attacks and pinning and setups. It's, everything's a setup. Everything. I think this, uh, the 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 main thing in capoeira is that you everything should be based behind a trick. Yeah. No, no, nothing should be direct, although it is sometimes. It's fascinating that children play because I've been listening to a lot of psychologists, and uh, the importance of play is is undeniable. It's it's where you 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 know where ideas die, right? So you will try good things, you will try bad things, and hopefully, if if you can just play and act things out, it dies. It, it's sort of a, an extension of what we see with gaming. When I was growing up, I used to play a lot of video games, but. I was mm. never violent in real life. Now I know we can games these days are a lot more realistic and there is some, you know, connection to, to mental health and whatnot. But I think the concept of play as a child is crucial and, and just mm-hmm. to experiment with your own body and to experiment, but in a safe way, sadly, mm. I'm seeing a lot of that put at the bottom of a list. So for example, some of my other guests I've spoken to in the show, I point out, that science and technology seem to get the lion's share of the budget because they're measurable and they have some form of, of, of way that you can float information up to administrators, whereas music, dance um, and are often, and phys ed as well, are often put at the bottom, minimized or cut altogether, which is sad. And, I, and I, because they're qualitative, they're not quantitative. The other topics are quantitative. The dance and the music mm. and all that mm. stuff is qualitative. And it doesn't bode well in a, in a system. So what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, and what I, as a parent myself, do is go, right, the classroom is going to tend this way, whether I like it or not. The school system is going to tend this way, whether or not I like it or not. There's not much I can do about it. I'm somewhat powerless, except outside of the classroom, I can find other things, you know, and, and one of my sons is really into music, and one of my sons is really into art. So I have to fulfill that demand. It's part of why I started Spark Hub as well, is to pull together a hub of great content and learning and conversations and storytelling. Mm. So I would love to understand, you know, I think what Capoeira, from what I'm understanding, will pay off in later life is that every day is a negotiation when you're an adult. Mm. We're in a, we're, you know, whether it's with information and fake news, whether it's in a boardroom, whether you're a police officer, a nurse, whatever it is, everything is is a, a decision. And as Mr. Miyagi likes to say back in The Karate Kid, the best way to avoid a punch is not to be there. Mm. Um, and, and circling back to your quote about, you know, quack cap or as a riddle, there is no answer. I think it's very valid because as an adult, you have to think strategically. You can't always take the same stance because it might be rigid and it might not work. Mm. So it feels mm. to me that the play element of capoeira in childhood can pay huge dividends in adulthood because if you have that mentality and you are able to be flexible metaphorically speaking with your head um great things may result uh, i suppose having said that what are you now you are now a teacher of capoeira is that right you teach kids and, and adults alike is that right yeah 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 i've i've been teaching for 30 years or more wow and in 2009 they made me a master what does that mean? Is that a Brazilian term, by the way? Is it what yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of means that the capoeira people, not all of them, but a majority of quite important masters, let's say, said, 
ah, he's a master. English, black English guy is a master. I was accepted as a, as a master. A master means that you, normally it means that you can play capoeira, you teach capoeira and you have good students, and you've done something else that has added or brought something special to capoeira or um, brought it back to life, which is what I managed to do. Uh, so it's it's a and it might apply differently in different groups because capoeira has become a very modern thing. Also, I don't know how to say it. The, I was going to say the negative growth of um, branding and developing big groups that all look the same. You know, like McDonald's. Basically, there was a lot of capoeira for many years, and they still exist. That many people say, "Oh, that's the McDonald's capoeira." What does that same. mean? It was like a franchise or a fast food it, version of capoeira. Everyone looks the same. No one was individual. Oh, I see. They all copied so in one uniform. Master. It was yeah. uniform. Yeah. So they're all playing in this certain way that is even the fingers and they sing the same and they do everything the same. Instead of discovering their own um, character and way. On top of uh, the music or the, the, the movement and music from, I've always copied the old masters and that's led me to uh, find myself much quicker than trying to copy someone else. As a parent, how would I know if I'm looking at, say, my area for capoeira teachers, how would I know who the McDonald's ones are versus the freestyle ones? Is there a way to differentiate between them? Uh, well, most, no, there's not a way of different. It's very difficult. But I mean, I started Capoeira with a group that wanted to give me belts and chords. And I did four or five chords. And it does play, that period plays quite an important part in my growth. So I don't think that it's a bad thing. But once you're in it, You've got to be willing or able to get out of it if you decide you don't want to do it anymore and want to do another style. I see. So freedom of movement might be one way to, I guess, for example, let's say I'm talking to the master of a group and I could detect that they're very hierarchical or they say, no, this is the best, we're the purest form of it. Yeah. That might be a clue that the true essence of capoeira is maybe not being taught by this particular master versus someone who says, show up, I'm going to teach you these things. You can come or you can go. Um, I can understand both arguments because I, I do know martial arts teachers and they're very uh, liberal in terms of saying, look, try this style, try this style, experiment, yeah. find what's right for you. But by the way, can you pay uh, you know, your monthly fees in advance and stuff like that? Because they do have a business to run and facilities to, to yeah. rent. So I can understand why a McDonald's franchisee business type thing would would grow into um, you know, become a business for recurring revenues but it's it's good that you're doing uh hopefully both and 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 i think your approach is right because if if you allow the freedom and the collaboration your students will just keep coming back you don't have to lock them into a system you don't need to lock them in and you know there's arguments for and against everything it seems so um you know during the 80s and 90s and early 2000 or in fact right up to about 2010 2006 for me 
it was really, that was 25 years of capoeira growth that no one was ready for. Especially the Brazilian masters. They, some people had said, ah, capoeira will spread the world. But no one really believed it. And then it only when it was happening, they start to say, oh my goodness. And then it's grown so quickly because it has this, what I think is one of the things that is very important to me when I, I teach in, as you asked before, I teach in schools sometimes. Um, I've taught in all schools, very poor schools and very rich schools. And all the schools that I go to don't understand why you don't need to win. They've all got this, we must, we are in competition. We're not just playing. We're not just doing this in the rhythm. It's like they, they can't move in the rhythm because they're in a rush. They want to get to the end, so they just forget that and just go. The rhythm in the music and the connection between the song and the rhythm or the cadence and the movement, those three, they are inseparable. So as a, if you're a child growing up and you hear this all the time, then your body's already got this feeling for music. If you haven't done that, then you've probably been told you've got to just score the goal. You've got to run faster. You've got to, there's no, there's no connection to music and rhythm. And this, I find, is one of the most interesting areas of capoeira because it, it doesn't have its box. It isn't a sport. It isn't a martial art. It isn't a dance. It's only one thing. And it's capoeira. And it was created out of probably really heavy circumstances where people were bored and played together, friendly. So it's an interesting thing that suddenly spread the whole world. For me, it makes, um, it, it makes me feel good that I managed to see that, you know, in the mid-80s. But it, uh, that that surprises me. So, so as you go into schools, as you as you say, you've seen all levels from private to pu- to public and everything mm. in between. But across the board, you, are you finding that academic achievement, grades, bell curving, that sort of stuff, is obviously the focus of the school? But they're but cap, things like capoeira are just are just falling by the wayside because it doesn't tick a box. I don't. It's a fascinating think- observation. What I, I believe is that I think if you're, you know, like nowadays, everyone gets a medal. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. So that's kind of, that's helping a bit, I think, rather than just one person getting the medal because they won. But there's an argument for and against that. What about if no one gets any medals and they just take part? And everyone's happy because they all took part. 
So the medal is the is the participation. I, yeah, I mean, I, it's a fascinating discussion. One, one of the things that came up in a recent discussion for me is what is the point of medals? So, for example, it used to be that when you got out of school, you had to win in the boardroom, you had to win in seniority, yeah. you had to win in the marketplace, you had to to be able to dominate or or you know knock people down or or, or uh, there's an mm-hmm. expression that someone once said to me: you don't you don't get a spot, you take someone else's spot. Right. Mm. It was, it was mm. the sort of thing I was mm. explained. And that's why, again, the argument is that's why medals and placing are important. Uh, interestingly, though, and this is not by any means scientific, all the kids I knew growing up that were cool, athletic, constantly winning medals, had a trophy case, all burnt out later in life. I'm not going to say I achieved much in terms of a medal case, but I've participated. I always tried new stuff. And, you know, I, I, I find that now in my role as leader in certain businesses, it's about collaboration. It's about setting others up for success. So it's not just mm. about you. It's about mm. 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 almost, I guess you could call it pay it forward, right? Learning how to pay it forward well, rather than just as a concept. And it's, it's interesting now to, that, you know, the, the, the other argument is if everyone participates and everyone wins, or there is, you know, with some kind of trophy case, it's, it's almost, I guess in the real world, it's difficult because I can see its place in athletics. I can see its place in Olympics. You have to be mm. the best. You have to train and you admire the athletes. You admire mm. people that, that can achieve that stuff. And that works. But that's what, one, two percent of the population that will mm. will get to that level. What about the 98 percent that have to live in the real world mm. and have to collaborate and have to network? What's changed, obviously, as you might have noticed since the 80s, is is the networking ability now. We're, we're, the global economy, everyone working mm. remotely covid advanced pushed that even accelerated mm. that mentality accelerated it. but now what's a key, what's a key life skill right like I, I i as someone who runs businesses i'm looking around what are key life skills empathy is definitely one of them collaboration is the other and knowing knowing how to use the tools but as you say is if there's a way to instill a physicality to it if there's a way to instill a method so you can know that you can participate and win and lose I like the expression personally, I don't win or lose. I either win or I learn, which yeah. I think is a stronger you know, proposition. Mm. But it's interesting that you're seeing this in the academic level through the years, that you're still seeing people that don't quite get that concept, or at least administrators that may not. But do you have hope that it's kind of changing now and, and Capoeira is possibly part of that change? I think Capoeira has definitely had some uh influence on 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 many th- different things you know because you see it now in 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 movies and movements it's, it it has had an influence but this thing of going into schools is not it's not that they don't get it it doesn't fit into their vision because often the children will get it and then the parent or the teacher will say come on come on go faster it's it's like a, a vision of you have to win. And it's not, it's not. Well, uh, is it because it has to be measurable? Like winning is measurable. You know, who's first, you know, who's second, there's a mm, score system. Mm. And, and again, I can make an argument for that. Like, how do you, how do you measure a school's success? How do you do an Ofcom rating? How do new parents know that this school is better than another school? Mm. They have mm. to look at data. How do you generate data? Well, you have to put markers on stuff. You mm. have to, you know, understand what the, what the strengths and weaknesses of the school are. Mm. Um, so I can make a case for that in academia. But I, what I wonder is, as you say, is this, 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 uh, you've said you've observed it in parents and in teachers, the rush to place. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how to get around that conundrum other than what I said earlier, which is it falls upon the parent to teach that, but then you're in conflict with the academic objectives. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's quite I, a I don't think we can change it. It's, we can't, we can't do, um, we can't do anything about that. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's there. And, uh, the, when, I, unless, unless the, school system said right for every class we do we do at least one musical clapping sequence or one movement theme to forget what you're doing and then you come back to the subject i i don't believe it would be a waste of time i think it will improve the whole education the the student's ability to learn if they're having fun and it's there's some kind of way of breaking up the uh, the you know, sit and listen and watch yeah. the music and the art and the movement rather than just sport. I think those are important. They are. And, and, and what gives me hope is that if we understand that school is rigid or has to work that way, and we know the reasons why, I'm not, I'm not disputing why schools have to operate and standardize and do all mm-hmm. the things that they have to do, mm-hmm. but ex- then you start falling into um, extracurricular activities, supplementary activities, um, mm-hmm. and, and frankly, the private sector. So hiring someone such as yourself or, or yeah. you know, going yeah. to classes. And I think that is what is, is now becoming very apparent to parents who were forced to homeschool. It brought you face to face with the curriculum, and and let's face it, as busy parents, you go to work, the kids go to school, you know, you see them in the morning, you see them in the afternoon. That's been my life now for years. But when the homeschooling came in, when the COVID lockdown came in, mm. and you were forced to look at trying to sit them in front of iPads and stuff, what we did is we got their bikes, put them on um, on bricks so that they could cycle. You know, they could burn energy while they were watching their lectures because clearly they had phonetic, kinetic energy. They had to get okay, out yeah, yeah, yeah. in some way. Um, and we were trying to show them stuff on YouTube and try to get them into things. But when your house becomes your schoolyard, it becomes your place of work, it becomes mm-hmm. your place to sleep and entertain, it's brutal. <laughs> and yeah. I, only, I only bring this up to say that, um, to say that, you know, people like you that are teaching this now and are masters in this stuff, it's, it's crucial stuff to, to, to mm. teach fluidity, to teach this kind of thing. And I guess one question I did, I have two questions that, that maybe you can answer in the way you want. One is, why Brazil? Brazil seems to be, for whatever reason, giving us jiu-jitsu champions. It's giving us capoeira. It seems to be that that's a hub, if you will, of, of martial arts. And, and, and why Brazil? What it is about that culture, the way they, I know they have, you know, festivals and stuff like that. What is, what is it about Brazil that seems to export that? Question number one. And the second question, I'd love you to tell me a story about a student in particular. I, I know your story about the father's fatherlessness, the eczema, mm-hmm. the things that you face that Capoeira solved, but could you take me through a story of one of your students uh, okay. where Capoeira changed their mind? Just want to go back a little bit what you said about lockdown and being at the home. My partner She's from Cuba, and she's from the really deep-rooted Afro-Cuban dances, okay? So in my house, everyone dances. 
I'm the one that dances least, but I still dance. So we have music and dance, and the cheer, the, they all can dance really good, and no one's taught them. They don't, know, they don't go to any class. Or if they've been to one or two, they might be the older one. So this movement, capoeira is there. My son, he said, he said to me, I want to learn one move of capoeira. I showed him one move. It's, you know, they see it and they're doing it. That's why in Brazil, you see those things. You see and hear rhythm and music. You also have carnival. And carnivals when, you know, you can do what you want. So you're free. So maybe one of the reasons is because it doesn't have this connection to this, what I think is a quite a suppressive religious thing, like what we see going on in America at the moment. I find that repressive myself. In the Yoruba religions, which is where you find capoeira comes from Bahia, really. It doesn't come from Brazil. It comes from Salvador, Bahia. So you've had more slaves taken there than anywhere else in the world. And Cuba too. And they got lots of different dances and good music. Very good music. Very good high energy. Everyone's fit and dancing. And they, well, not everyone, but a lot of people. So it's in the culture to dance. It's baked in. It's baked yeah, in by this man. It's, you, to dance, to have fun. You don't, you don't pay someone to go somewhere to watch a band to then just jiggle about you come home you put the song on and you ah, you clap in you're singing you're dancing all the time that i think is one of the reasons why some things like from brazil and cuba uh, are so attractive because the people they're happy they they they're they're not timid and shy they're not reserved in their physicality they haven't been uh, suppressed by by society's um, what they see. You know, they go and their friends are shaking their hips and moving their shoulders and jumping. And it's not just like running and kicking the ball. It's it's actual physical self feelings of movement and dance that you like doing. It's not about what you look like. It's how you feel. So I, I think that the, the dance and music element of somewhere that um, has had slavery is, is a huge thing because they had nothing else. So they have to make the rhythms by, the, by clapping and singing and dancing because they didn't have uh, instruments. They made instruments out of tables and, and they made rhythms. And you see this, they, and that allows them to express the happiness. Or, and I see that. And when I first went to Brazil and I looked around, I said, how come they're so happy? And it's not just the sun. It's, it's, the, it's the culture. It's the peep, it's the it's the the lack of anything. 
a lack. You don't have you don't have money. You don't have instruments. So they make music by singing and clapping and making drums and this kind of thing. So the toolkit's within. Yeah, uh, maybe that's, that's one. Of, that's maybe the one of the reasons. And so, so what, tell us a story then of of of. Uh, I mean, obviously we know your story, but what is the story of a, a student that you had that you suddenly saw a massive difference in them once they connected with you and connected with Capoeira? Well, I, I've seen a massive difference in nearly every one of my students. And about ten years ago, someone came to me and said, "You know, every single man student you got here." grew up without their father. And I was like, what? You know, or, or you know, they've got a separation or they haven't had um, a strong connection with their father growing up. And so which one do I choose? <laughs> one of my first students, and unfortunately, I don't know where he is now. Um, but when I first started Capoeira, he he had just come out of prison and he saw me with the, the burimba, which is the instrument we use. Um, and he, he thought I was crazy. And then he saw a book. When he saw the book, he said, oh, so it is real. And I told him what Capoeira was. And he transformed everything. That was the first book he had ever read. He started practicing capoeira. He went off to get a job. And capoeira does make you want to improve everything else in your life. Because you, you feel that... And anyway, so he grew a lot in capoeira very quickly. And I've had another one that came to me and he said, I've lost so much weight, none of my clothes fit. I think every one of my students has had quite a... Um, a big journey with capoeira because you it's you do it for yourself you satisfy yourself you go to play not to win really it's to play and you afterwards you feel good because you've been playing capoeira so it's i mean in my, nearly all of my students have had this kind of journey where they've discovered capoeira themselves and their own character through it. That's fascinating. I, I do have one other question, which is what happened to what you do during lockdown? So when you're, when you're forced to not mix with people, when you're not allowed to mix with people, what, so almost two questions. One is what was that like for you as a teacher? So could you do it over Zoom, for example? Is it the same thing? And then two, once now COVID's back, I would imagine you're seeing a resurgence of all levels, all, all age groups coming out like wanting to reconnect kinetically with other humans. And it strikes me Capoeira is perfectly positioned to capitalize on that because we were deprived of contact for, what, a year and a half? Yeah, there, there was, it was quite um, worrying about not going to a Capoeira hodder indoors because everywhere we sing, so we're in a, we're in a circle, more singing. It's quite, and that was the way to transmit COVID and probably many other things. Um, and what was it like for me? Well, I did go on to Zoom. I taught some lessons on Zoom for, for some period. 
uh, and they're still up there somewhere on my YouTube. Um, but there were some other good things that happened. I moved outdoors. And I've been outdoors since. So even though it's cold, I just find a place where it's not so windy or we wrap up differently. We do shorter lessons maybe. And I, I teach outside. So I've become more, I'm not really open to people that aren't buying into this already and kind of going to have a commitment to it because it's, you know, you have to be outside and suffer the suffer the in, in, um, the inconvenience of the weather in this world. Yeah, there's one thing that when lockdown happened, I had a, a friend of mine sent me a link to something and I watched one workshop and it transformed how I think about movement, which I'd never done before. I'd always liked, um, you know, if I could swim a bit, run, climb, uh, all these things. I thought that was good. But then I discovered that trees are the thing that are best suited to develop the human body. Because weights and gyms and, like, if you do pull-ups, like the guy described it, he says, if you do a pull-up, and so your hands are always in the same position. You get a callus in one place. And he says that that transmits to all the way through your body. You have this one strong part. And this is why people get so many injuries and things. Because they've only got one part, but the bit right next to it is weak. But when you're in a tree, you, you're twisting and turning and pushing and moving in all sorts of different ways. Never the same, even if it's the same tree, because you find different ways to you just move a little bit up it or down it. You're dealing with the fear of the height as well, and you're connecting to the fact that humans went through this period of being in trees. And it's just, it's changed everything. And that happened because of lockdown. And I've, got, wow. I've become, you know. <laughs> well, what a revelation. It's interesting. There's a tree across the street from us, and I often get my kids to climb up it. It's quite a big tree. But I'd never considered, as you say, that in a gym, it's all isolated movements. Uh, it's chest day and back day and arm day. And I used to be into yeah. that when I was younger. But I, I yeah, want more. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I like a holistic workout now. And, and, and that involves, you know, movements and drills and burpees and things that are a bit more dynamic. Mm. um definitely so that's fascinating that you discovered that um and and it, it brings up an interesting thing which is i i truly i grew up climbing a lot of trees when i was younger i'm trying mm. to encourage it in my kids but it, it doesn't seem to be a thing anymore people don't they're worried about kids are told not to climb trees now which is sort of i don't know sad <laughs> for me it's anyway. a bit sad i mean and for adults you i know i i suggested to my students look don't, you don't need to climb up a tree. You just need to get in a tree. And then, you know, get in a tree, find a place to sit, and then use your phone in the tree. So you're in a different position and not just the way we sit always on chairs. Yeah. So they can't run anymore. They can't 
be chased or chase. And these things change when you, when you like consider those things, the being chased or chasing. You run differently. Or uh, climbing a tree or getting in a tree and throwing, throwing mm. accurately. Because wow. we're the only animal that can throw something at something else and hit it accurately that's moving. But if we lose that ability, then we're, we're becoming just stuck. In Our bodies won't move, or if they do, they have to move in a way that anything that's different will injure you. Um, it makes me think of that movie, um, the Disney film Wally. Where I don't know if you've seen it, but all, there's there's all these people like big. They're stuck in um, floating chairs, and they just have screens in front of them. And then they try to walk; they fall over because their their bodies have atrophied uh, yeah. from being, as you say, one position forever. It's fascinating, yeah. and I and I do agree. I think you know to sort of put a little bow on it. One of the concerns I have as a parent, and why I've I've essentially started this podcast, is what are the things that that we shouldn't lose? Um, AI is coming robotics are coming yeah. but at the end of the day we're still humans and we still have to invest in what we do better and there seems to be if, if i'm oversimplifying this i apologize there seems to be two views either it's going to be the machines versus us which is the armageddon you know scenario the ai is smarter than us and will see us as irrelevant or we amplify each other we have a co-symbiotic relationship the, the technology mm. enhances what we do People can recover from injuries. Um, but what's the point of that if we're not going to use our bodies and we're not going to use our minds and we're not going to be dynamic in the future? What you know? So what are the things we can teach our kids now that pay that off? Uh, and I think the arts and music and dance and all these kinds of things. And as you say, it can you don't have to invest in in heavy instrumentation. You don't have to invest in these types of things. It's you have your own toolkit and you have to learn to use it and rely on it. And right. it strikes me after you know this conversation that. Capoeira is 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 very well situated to do that, and I do hope that it continues to enjoy the success it has since the '80s, which brought you to it, which has now mm. given you this career. Um, and I suppose just as a final point, in the age of YouTube, in the age of screens, what's your prediction of how Capoeira can benefit from the technology and the and the, and the behavior change around screens and beyond climbing in a tree to watch your iPad? What what is a way that that you know, you can bring the two worlds together. Well, I think they've already together. So people are using YouTube or video as a as a um, a way to encourage them to practice or to see something that they couldn't have seen before. Um, so I think it's already happened, or certainly in Capoeira. And in the future, it, I have no idea what, Capoeira is going to do in the future. But I hope that it will continue ha having the influence it does have in so many different sphere, it, it, areas. It's, it, it has so many different ways that it's grown now. It isn't, it isn't just one thing anymore. There's lots of different types of Capoeira. Um, and well, it has multiple applications. I mean, it, it sounds to me, as you said, and again, using my Spark Hub philosophy, the opportunity uh, as an adult is to, to know your own body, to be able to control it, to think strategically. And if we back that into childhood mm. and what are the skills we mm. can invest in, capoeira, music, 
all that type of stuff is a very sound investment because no matter what the jobs of the future look like, academia will play a certain role. Placement will play a certain role. Mm. But mm. if you don't know how to collaborate and you don't know your own mind and you don't know how to avoid things or, or, or step away from situations. I mean, my mm. children constantly fight uh, and I try to tell them strategically why that's not a good idea, but there might be another way to do it and get, get them mm. to shake it out. They say, one master says, the only people that can learn capoeira is those that want to learn. And so many people come not prepared to learn. You know, they're not really in the right, they, they don't want it. And they have to want it. I suppose well, that's the same with a musical instrument or anything else. Well, if you can describe, but this is one of the things that came up in um, another interview I did with someone who started a school of creativity. Her philosophy was, if you can describe the benefit in advance, so if you can tell a child why you're taking mm. this time up, then you can teach them anything. So yeah. uh, I think the articulation you've given to it is here, the articula- my, my spin on it, if you can call it that, is that the future value of capoeira is obvious to me. It's strategic, it's physical, it's dynamic. And now let's back into how do you get a kid to do one move and watch one YouTube video and, and put mm. them on that, spark their interest in this topic mm. and move them down the path. It's clear to me mm. how to do that. And, and um, a lot of your, your uh, thoughts have, have provoked now in me a way of, of lighting that path. Good, good. Thanks for your time, Simon. I really appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. Uh, If you like what you hear, you can dive into a lot more on thesparkhub.com.